History happened everywhere. The verdict. This is our after-show podcast where we look back at the most recent episode, number 68, A Pig in a Poke in North Korea just the other day. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check it out, or else there will be spoilers ahead. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hello, my name is Ryan Weir, and I am here in the HHE studio with the Jong-un to my Jong-nam, it's Mr. Peter Goddard. Ah, I'm, am I the Jong-un because of my stylish hairstyles? It's because you're the one in charge. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined as ever by the diplomatic diplomat of diplomacy, it's the judge himself, it's Mr. Paul Dursley. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Peter. Hello. Now, Peter, I've denounced everything that you had to say last episode, (laughs) censoring it from my mind. So before we go any further, would you mind reminding me what you talked about in, let's say, 60 seconds? Well, I can run the risk of saying some seditious things for 60 seconds. When would you like me to start? Can you do it now? We trekked to the Korean Peninsula, to the land where, well, who knows what's going on behind the veil of secrecy maintained by the strict North Korean government led by Kim Jong-un. We heard tales of people not getting quite what they expected, also known as buying a pig in a poke, including one young model slash actress slash assassin who was definitely not working for a prank show as she thought. We also discovered how North Korea's advanced government-sponsored hacking operation took revenge on the Sony Corporation for releasing a film portraying the death of Kim Jong-un. And we learned a little about the life of Kim Jong-nam, the older half-brother of Kim Jong-un, and a man who it is believed was assassinated on the orders of his younger sibling. I should also note that the government of North Korea denies there ever was a North Korea episode of History Happened Everywhere, despite whatever you think you might have heard. Last week's episode done, summarised nicely, nice one son, now we're over to a young Dursley who's gonna tell you what he thought of me, he'll take you apart without any care, he's the lovely Paul Dursley, the lovely Paul Dursley. Ah, yes, it's all come rushing to me like a defector to the DMZ. (laughs) There were more facts than you can poke a pig with, each one better than the last. But what does it matter what I think? We're here for the opinion of only one man, and it's not Kim (laughs) Jong-un. So, Judge Dursley, was this episode picture-perfect or a load of old hogwash? Have you been hacked yet? (laughs) It sounds like someone's hacked him and done some work on his jokes, to be honest with you, because that was better than normal. Thanks! You sure you haven't had a little North Korean assistance? (laughs) (laughs) But seriously though, Paul, like what were your first impressions of Peter's episode? Well, was it a diatribe against a leader who was trying to do the best for his country? It's a good question. I don't feel it was a diatribe so much as an interesting set of tales, all of which North Korea denies. (laughs) 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 I'm curious to know whether or not you felt that Peter met the criteria of just the other day. Oh, yes. Well, that is quite difficult. It it wasn't a tricky topic. It was a tricky country because everywhere else you could have sort of seen what was happening the other day and having having a chat about what how, what was happening every other day or finding finding out the price of pork belly futures three days ago. <laughs> so is that what you consider to be just the other day? Do you think it's within a week? It is open to interpretation, isn't it? And I am going to be more lenient than I would given the situation in the country where we just don't know anything. So That does just, make sense. 
just the other day. I guess the question is, at what time period, if someone describes it as just the other day and then it turns out that it was 10 years ago, <laughs> would you start to get annoyed by the, by the use of that phrase? <laughs> yeah. Well, I would certainly pick somebody up upon it if you, you said just the other day and now you're saying it's 10 years ago. But what if it was six months ago? I would think the limit of just the other day is probably about a month. Okay. I think the just is doing a lot of work because the other day to mm. me is a longer time span than just the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you brought Einstein into it though. It's never too early to bring in Einstein. <laughs> but can you remember a few years ago when he came to power, mm. uh, there was a barber shop in Ealing, which was only a you know a hundred yards away from the North Korean embassy, that was offering free Kim Il Young haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, he'd have to. Who's paying, really? <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that because his haircut actually has a name. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Yeah, so I, his... don't, I don't know what the Korean for pudding basin is. <laughs> <laughs> so his haircut is one of the official 28 oh, it is. haircuts. Yeah, but it's since been taken off, so you can't have it anymore. Ah. But that the name of the haircut is Ambitious. Ambitious. <laughs> yeah. Ambitious. Yeah. Ambitious by, by North, North Korea. Korea. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently when he first came to power, all male university students in North Korea were told they had to have a copy of the haircut. Wow. So everyone had the, in that university, everyone had the same haircut. That must have made policing difficult. Can you describe the suspect? No, <laughs> not the hair. We know the hair. <laughs> he was looking ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> Right, we have lots to talk about, we so do. we should get cracking on, uh, because there was lots that was cut out of this episode, Pete. Why was it cut out? Just because he had so much good oh, there stuff. there was so much going on, it's crazy. Oh, I see, I yeah. thought you did some self-censorship. So, Peter, is there anything in particular you wanted to discuss with us? But this was about the Korean War, actually, which was also outside of my time period. And this was General Douglas MacArthur, who okay. was the fighting on the American side, and he had a brilliant plan for winning the war. Uh, he said, I could have won the war in Korea in a maximum of 10 days once the campaign pain was underway and with considerably fewer casualties than were suffered during the so-called truce period. His plan, in his words again, I would have dropped between 30 to 50 tactical atomic bombs on his air bases and other depots. Then he was going to land a load of amphibious forces and then from the Sea of Japan to the Yellow Sea, spread behind them a belt of radioactive cobalt. It could have been spread from wagons, carts, trucks and planes. It's not an expensive material and this has an active life of between 60 and 120 years. So basically, he was going to devastate North Korea with wow. atomic bombs and radioactive cobalt. And he thought that would take 10 days. Bloody hell. Well, well, yeah, I, and I would have thought it would take 10 minutes. Yeah, it certainly would have put them off. Apparently, some of the problems other people had with it were, one, initiating global thermonuclear war, spread oh, of radioactive on, material come on, everywhere. Come on, come on. Not thermonuclear. What year was this? 50-some. Uh, so had thermonuclear weapons been developed by then? Okay, nuclear war. <laughs> nuclear war. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a point off. 
Yeah. Also, so, yes. doing this de- total atomic devastation on the doorstep of both Russia and China isn't a great idea, I'm imagining. It did seem provocative. But China wouldn't <laughs> have had any nuclear weapons and Russia would have had about two. But still, doing it on the doorstep of those two big giants is not a great idea, right? Yeah, regardless. and loads of radioactive they, wafting in your neighbourhood. at that time, in the early 50s. So early 50s, that's how long after Hiroshima and Nagasaki? <sighs> less, less than 10 years. Right, so they were on a... They were on a roll at that point. Uh, yeah, but basically all of the nuclear devices, apart from a couple in Russia, were American. Mm. And there's the tiny matter of the people of North Korea being bombed into oblivion. <laughs> we didn't talk much about the DMZ, did we? No, we didn't. There have been a lot of defections is kind of the point. There's lots of people that try and make a break for it, try there to get out. There are plenty of defections. And one of the things we touched on but I didn't expand on was that that's part of the reason people who are allowed to travel overseas are usually selected on the basis of having family in Korea. So you can maintain your family in Korea in a sort of hostage situation. So to disincline people to defect which it also relates to the caste system that they have in Korea. So it's called Songbun, and it's not a caste as you would be born into in India. Well, you are born into it in some ways, but it is assigned to you. And it's three main groups, and you're put into one of these groups based on how politically sound you are, how supportive of the regime you are. But it's not just you, it's you and your relatives. So if your parent or uncle commits a crime, say, they get downgraded into a lower level of trustworthiness, essentially, is what it adds up to. And so do you. So your actions with in North Korea as an individual also bounce onto your children and your children's children. I think it only goes for three generations. Oh, that's very lenient of them. Only three generations. <laughs> I know, right? Sins of your grandfather. So, so you can be the core and, and this will affect the jobs you can do, the food you get given if there's a need for aid and stuff like that. But the core is your privileged class. The Dongyo is the wavering class. They're the yeah, you're all right, but we got our eye on you. Mm. And then the lower level, the Choctaw, are called the hostile class. Uh, they're considered to be disloyal to the socialist revolution. And based on that, and you how, will have... What, what are the proportions of them? <clears throat> I think there's a lot of the second two. <laughs> you have to be a party member to be in the top one. But yeah, one even if you don't do anything, but your uncle does... Boom, you're out. That's quite terrifying, isn't it? That your life can be directed in such a way by your ancestors. And to have it so formalised is remarkable. Although I believe that the North Korean government uh, proclaims that all citizens are equal and denies any discrimination based on family background. <laughs> <laughs> that record must be wearing out. I know, I've got, got, got that bit of the script of- laminated. <laughs> <laughs> So talking about oppressed people and defectors, I was doing a little bit of research about the interview, the film. And apparently throughout several nights in January 2015, at an undisclosed location along the Korean border, a North Korean defector called Lee Min Bok released 80,000 DVDs and USB sticks containing copies of the interview, sending them via helium balloon over the border into North Korea. (laughs) Each balloon he'd armed 
armed with a timer that would release it at various locations across North Korea. And uh, he also sent one million anti-Pyongyang leaflets across the border too. This inspired another defector called Park Sang-hak to do the same. And he sent another 10,000 copies of the movie across the border, as he said, as part of an effort to dispel the idolization of leader Kim. So if, if the country is so poor, do they all have DVD players? Apparently DVD players are pretty common. Yeah, I don't know about the oh, USB okay. sticks, but apparently DVDs are, are pretty common. No, I suppose uh, it's very old technology now, isn't it? Yeah. And been superseded. Yeah, exactly. So it's unknown how many people obviously found these DVDs and, and watched the film. But speaking about the activists' efforts, the South Korean government responded by saying that our stance is that we continue to acknowledge the freedom of individuals to publicize their opinions. <laughs> That's the most pointed no comment I've heard in a while. <laughs> How about that? I mean, so they kind of just went wavy hand. Yeah. In other news, we've got a big box of balloons over here. Would anyone like them? <laughs> Didn't they over the demilitarized zone like ha have this like war of the speakers where they just had speakers playing, you know, Western music at one moment, and then the North used to have a, a sort of indoctrination hour across the border, and then it just got louder and louder and louder, and it was sort of a typical arms race. Well, That's yeah. how Eurovision got started. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, I mean, how can you stop? sound coming across the border. I mean, they did try to shoot down the balloons, apparently. But uh, there you go. That's dangerous, because then you've got a shot one, and now I've got a copy of the thing that I'm going to get in loads of trouble <laughs> if I have. <laughs> uh, so, Peter, just one other thing. Uh, during the episode, we spoke about the interview, and you said that, you know, how shocking it was to you to see a movie where a sitting leader is assassinated. I did. Well, it wasn't the first film to do that. So, in 1941, prior to the Americans' joining joining World War II, director Fritz Lang, Metropolis, black and white movie, he made a film called Manhunt, which featured a British hunter called Walter Pigeon, who attempts to assassinate Adolf Hitler. And this was a response to the fact that uh, Fritz Lang had fled Nazi Germany when they took power. And so this was his kind of response. It's that rogue male. Rogue male? I don't know that one. What's that? Well, it's a story about a British undercover agent who goes to kill Hitler. But I'm not sure. I think it probably it was probably written after the war. So I would think Fritz Lang would have done it first. Yeah, it sounds like it. Jeffrey Housko, I think, was the name. P Peter, you'd know. No, that's uh, beyond my, my knowledge, I'm afraid. I mean, you'd remember if it was Walter Pigeon. <laughs> Hasn't the late Queen been bumped off a number of times in films, though? She was killed by Leslie Nielsen, I believe, or certainly... Uh, Injured <laughs> during <laughs> Naked Gun films Not assisted, or certainly. <laughs> So one of the things I was toying with, Pig in a Poke just the other day left me with uh, some challenges, obviously. I did look at pig farming, which mm. kind of led into the economy and some areas where how the famine happened, which was in part flooding. It's, it, I think I mentioned that it's not a great agricultural country and yeah. have a lot of fertile land, but also the management being a command economy, they're not getting the most out of the land either. I did think there was going to be a lot more pig-related information. I thought there was too at the start, but uh, it didn't really work out like that. But then I got to the just the other day part and I was 
was looking for things that have happened much more recently in North Korea. Mm. Obviously, not a lot of news was getting out because of the lockdown. But one of the things that did happen very recently and that people were quite excited by was the revelation of Kim Jong-un's daughter. So there have been a couple of instances where there have been released pictures of Kim Jong-un with this young girl who is believed to be called Kim ju who is nine or ten years old. Okay. And I don't know about what you were doing in your ten-year-old birthday party, Ryan, but mm. uh, she got to observe military parades and look at missile silos. Yeah, it's the same. I went to McDonald's and bowling, but yeah, we also did that. But uh, yeah, so now the question is, is she being groomed as an, the next successor? I did read somewhere that since World War II or since in the 20th century, I can't remember, there has never been a dictator that's managed to do more than three successions. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. That's like the three succession rule. Yeah, and then, it, all then it all falls, falls apart. apart. <laughs> <laughs> so watch this space. Wow, that's fascinating. What's a female dictator called? Anything she insists on me calling her. <laughs> <laughs> a dictatrix. Is that a true thing or have you just made that up? No, it's a true thing. Oh, wow. Generally masculine T-O-R and feminine T-R-I-X. Dictatrix. Sounds like dominatrix. Well, exactly. Dominator, dominatrix. It mm. follows the same rule. Well, you would think also that I did mention that it was a socially conservative country. Yeah. So then there's the question of can a, a woman be a dictator in a country that doesn't expect those rules? But there are some fairly important women even in North Korea today. Mm -hmm. The foreign minister is a woman called Cho Sun Hui. And there's also a, a top foreign policy person called Kim Yo Jong, although she is also Kim's sister. So ah. <laughs> that probably helps. But there are a couple of women in high places so it's not completely out of the question that they have a female head of state in that same way has there ever been a dictatrix in modern times i don't know we'll ask lady of the internet hello a female dictator otherwise known as a dictatorix is a woman who has absolute power over a country without any constitutional limitations there have been a few female dictators in modern times notable examples include jang ching also known as madame mao who was the wife of Mao Zedong and a leader of the Cultural Revolution in China, and Indira Gandhi who served as the third Prime Minister of India from 1966 to 1977 and declared a state of emergency that suspended civil liberties and democracy. Thank you. So, Peter, talking about leaders of North Korea, uh, we talked about Kim Jong-nam and how he was overlooked in favour of his younger brother. Yes. But there was actually another son who you didn't mention. And this is the half-brother called Kim Jong-chul. So, according to Kenji Fujimoto, Kim Jong-il's former sushi chef... <laughs> <laughs> said that he was not considered for leadership, in quotes, because he had the warm heart of a little girl. <laughs> it goes on, a girl who suffered from, in quotes, an excess of female hormones. So <laughs> what that okay. means is anyone's guess, but it could have something to do with a poem that he wrote while he was in school in Switzerland that said that his ideal world would have no weapons or atomic bombs and people would be free. Wow, as an application for the top job in North Korea, that is not <laughs> successful. You're not reading the room there, are you? <laughs> yeah. It could also be his love of earrings and leather jackets, or it could have something to do with his obsession with British rock music, and in particular, the music of Eric Clapton. 
In 2014, Kim Yong-chul attended an Eric Clapton concert in London at the Royal Albert Hall, two nights in a row, where he was seen singing happily along to all of the lyrics, right? In 2011, he was seen at a Clapton gig in Singapore. And in 2006, he was reported to have followed Clapton's tour across four different German cities. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in 2007, apparently representatives for Chul reached out to Eric Clapton and invited him to perform in Pyongyang, but he robustly declined. That would make me nervous as Eric Clapton, because historically there was a film director that Kim Il-sung, I think it may have been, maybe Kim Jong-il, uh, was very keen on. Uh, they wanted to make some films with him. Mm. So they kidnapped him from, oh. North, from South Korea. Dragged him to North Korea, forced him to make films until he finally escaped. <laughs> he escaped, though. He That's escaped. kind of cool. Yeah, I, I guess he was doing the press tour and went, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's probably worth also mentioning about Dennis Rodman, right? This is the basketball player who is friends with Kim Jong-un. Yes, he might have his ear, but I'm sure Kim Jong-un will have Rodman's head at some point. I'm also fairly sure that Rodman's hair is not on the list of qualified haircuts. <laughs> I said Rodman's head. For your records, Paul, Dennis Rodman famously has flamboyant hairstyles. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I've got. I don't know, do I? <laughs> I don't know the first thing about basketball. Okay, so we've talked about Kim Jong-chul, but let's talk a little bit more about Kim Jong-un. Let's do that. So which one is that? This is the current leader of North Korea. Okay, how's that fat little boy? (laughs) Oh, he's getting a knock on the door. Yeah, (laughs) and it's not shirt guy. (laughs) (laughs) So reportedly, Kim Jong-un keeps a pleasure squad, which is a group of girls, some as young as 13 years old, who are plucked from classrooms and they undergo a battery of tests to confirm that they're virgins. In 2016, he spent three and a half million US dollars on lingerie and costumes for this harem, while he also then spends lavishly on booze and fine foods, including his favourite cheese, which is Emmental cheese, <laughs> which is a remnant apparently from his days where he was also a student in Switzerland. Oh. So he loves Emmental cheese. He's also known for his extravagant executions. So in 2012, Kim Jong-un is rumoured to have had a former army vice minister killed with a mortar round for drinking and partying after his father's death. In 2013, he had his uncle stripped naked and fed to 120 starving dogs. In 2014, he had a deputy minister executed by flamethrower. Crumbs. And in 2015, he had another minister killed by anti-aircraft gun at a shooting range in front of hundreds of spectators. But worst of all, in 2020, he ordered that all pet dogs in Pyongyang be confiscated, saying that they represented Western decadence and nothing to do with the fact that they were also in the midst of a food crisis. Oh. That might not have been entirely coincidental. (laughs) So he's not someone to mess around with. He's not someone to mess around. And that was certainly one of the feelings I got from the things I was reading about his brother, was that his brother was a bit more of an easygoing soul and less likely to tear you apart with dogs and whatnot, which I guess isn't the Kim way if you were planning to be top dog, as it were. All I know is I'm going to be stripped, put into lingerie and drowned in cheese. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, Peter, we talked during the episode about how difficult it is to get North Korean beer outside of the country. Very difficult and dangerous. Right. Well, that may be because in 2016, North Korea claimed to have invented a new type of alcohol that wouldn't give hangovers. Sounds good. So the Pyongyang Times said that special ingredients in the booze prevents it from causing headaches or sickness, despite having an alcohol content of up to 50%. (laughs) So no hangovers for you. Drink as much of it as you like. Sounds like a deal. Yeah, it's pretty good. Now that led me to some other extraordinary claims from (laughs) North Korea. In 2015, for example, North Korea announced that they had created a new drug which can cure AIDS and Ebola and also cancer. That's going to be a top seller, surely. You need to float that into the markets. Also in 2015, the new North Korean school curriculum was released. And within it, it had a piece of information in there which which stood out. Kim Jong-un could drive a car by the time he was three years old. And as a young man was considered an expert artist and a musical composer. Apparently, he got this talent from his father, who in 1994 is said to have bowled a perfect 300 game of 10-pin bowling, scored 11 hole-in-ones in in one game of golf. (laughs) (laughs) and was a genius academic and composer having authored more than 1,500 books while at university (laughs) and six operas after graduating and in quotes all of which are better than any in the history of music (laughs) well the reviews are in (laughs) and the Pyongyang Times at least thinks they're great (laughs) and if you don't believe any of that which I don't (laughs) well you'll be pleased to know that in 2000 12 researchers from Pyongyang claim to have discovered a real-life unicorn lair found just a short distance away from a sacred temple. So there are unicorns in North Korea. So what what was on top of the lair of unicorns? <laughs> a, a lair of bullshit? <laughs> And so we have come to the end of the line, Peter. It's time for you to step into the dock and prepare to face the people's judge. Judge Dursley, are you ready to give your verdict? I'm going to need a few seconds to compose myself. Okay. Okay, I have calmed down. (laughs) I have wiped my brow. Are you ready to give your verdict? Yes. Then will the defendant please rise? Rising like bread. Your Honour, as usual, may we start proceedings by first asking for your verdict on factual content. Well, that's a very difficult one, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is, actually, for this episode. (laughs) Peter, could you cover your ears? I can. Okay. Ryan, I'm going to ask Peter to give me a number. Okay. If that number is odd... Yeah. He he will get a D. Oh, really? And if that number is even, he will get a B. Okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. You can put your... I'm back. Excellent. Peter, given this is a bit of a... uh, going to be a difficult one, I thought we'd leave it to chance to give you your grade on this one. So could you give me a number, please? Is there a range or do I just have to... No, just give me a number. Oh, okay. 72. Dang it. What have I done? (laughs) You chose 72, so that would give you... a B. 
If you'd have picked an odd number, you'd have got a D. Oh, so, score! That's pretty good going. Right, Your Honour, may I have your verdict on entertainment value? But it was all at one remove, wasn't it? It was a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Although saying that, Pig and the Pope does not actually mean anything to do with pigs, technically, is it? It's to be sold a pup is another phrase for it. So technically, it's nothing to do with pigs. Mm, that's why I tried to steer clear of actual pigs. But a bit more of the porcine would have been nice. It would have been. So I will give you a C+. Okay, well, there you go, C plus Peter. That's not bad. You're doing okay so far. I'm feeling okay about this. All right, well, then here we are. We fall upon the tricky hurdle, the unknown Dursley factor. <laughs> <laughs> your Honour, may I have your verdict on the Dursley factor? Well, I, I, I did enjoy this, and so, Peter, I'm going to give you B minus. B minus. Good, very happy. But here we are now. We are at the final verdict. Peter, before the judge passes his verdict, you have an opportunity to enter a plea. If you choose to do so, please make that plea now. Uh, not so much a plea, but an observation of the great personal risk I took on this particular episode. Every research link I clicked was a little bit of a trepidation of what am I doing? Is this going to be the end for all of my computer contacts? So it had an effect on me doing this show, and I'd like that to be borne in mind. There you are, Your Honour. The defendant stands before you, all pleaded out. Well, I'm not sure I can accept that plea, because surely that goes to the same for you and me. That's very true. And one could say it was Peter who put us under this threat. Exactly. I'd take a point off just for that. I want to disregard the plea then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Your Honour, have you reached a verdict? Yes, I have. In which case, I would ask most respectfully for your ruling. I am going to grant Peter the prize of C+. C+. All right. I personally would have given you a much better grade, Peter, but I am not the judge. You're not the judge. I'm going to take this. This is good. I'll take it with both hands because at the end of the day, there is a small chance that everything I told you was untrue. (laughs) 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 So I have to accept that that comes with consequences. Very good. Thank you, Your Honour. Okay, well, look, there you are. That is the show for this week. If you'd like to get in touch about any of the things that we've talked about on this show or the last one, or just to say hello, you can reach out to us on social media through our website at hhepodcast.com or by email at Pete and Ryan at hhepodcast.com. Obviously, we'd love to hear from you. And you never know, you might end up featured on a future show. Yeah, and one way to definitely feature on a future episode is to rate and review the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Your recommendation really goes a long way to help bring in new listeners to the show. And if you do do social media, we are on Mastodon, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can find us at HHE Podcast. So subscribe to them and you'll get a little ping every time we post anything. We do trivia, we do tidbits, we do news, we do photos, whatever we've got, we pop it up there. And we're going to be back again soon with our next episode episode 69 easy does it in north america during 10,000 bce early man strikes back yes he does but in the meantime a huge thank you to the judge himself thank you paul my pleasure and that's it i guess all that's left to say is you've been listening to oi 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 
Oh, by the way, I was just thinking, actually, you, you know, he could do this podcast a big favour, couldn't he? Because if you want big viewing figures, all he has to do is bump bump off a couple of us, and then it'll be top news. So who's he going to bump off out of the three of us? I think Peter, because it's his episode. I, I feel like I'm in the frame. Hmm. Well, by doing that, Ryan, you get so much publicity, you shoot the top of a podcast list. I would, that's true, yeah. And I'll replace you with Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, who is this Seth Rogen? I, I, I'm sorry, but I don't didn't get any of that. He is a Hollywood actor, writer, producer, director, and self-acclaimed eternal teenager. Oh, I see. I, see, I didn't know. I, I didn't know who he was from Adam. So that may have diminished the impact of the sketch. <laughs> <laughs> Blah, blah, blah.